fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies. Welcome to FGGGBT. Now, this is the show that takes your favorite fictional science and technology, and we make it a reality. We are the Brain Trust. I am the analytical mastermind, Daniel J. Glenn. With me, the physics phenom, Dr. Michael Denon. Dan, great to be here. I love the respect you showed me. You love zombies. You had me watch zombies. You know I hate blood. Very little blood. Thank you so much. I'm excited for this show. It was literally very little blood. It was teeny tiny blood <laughs> spectacles. Uh, spectacles are glasses. Uh, speculals. Uh, uh, yeah, spectacles specula- works for something. me, Dan. I don't know. <laughs> sure. Speckles. Blood speckles are teeny tiny, almost insignificant. But I know someone who is not tiny nor insignificant, and that is our enigmatic engineer, Ben Seepser. Ben, where are you broadcasting from this week? Dan, today I'm in the beautiful Hollywood Hills overlooking Los Angeles. I've been hearing some rumors of a major disturbance last night in a local graveyard, but I'm guessing it was probably just some local idiots up to some harmless fun. Well, I think so. You're probably right, but I don't want to take any chances, Ben, because we're putting you on the scene there because we need to get your analysis, and I don't want this to be anything scary. Uh, but this, you know, this show that we're gonna that we're gonna do today is inspired once again by Love, Death, and Robots. I'm calling this Love, Death, and Robots Two. Uh, you know, this is similar to Black Mirror in that it's an anthology show where you get all these fun little takes on sci-fi and and horror and and the combination of both. And it gives us lots of options to discuss. So we're gonna talk about a couple of fun episodes here today. Um, but I, you know, Denon, I know you love stories. You're you're a storyteller yourself. Uh, did you, do you like this idea of a bunch of fun little stories? Or do you like the more solid, like we did with The Dark, a solid, intense, you know, three season kind of one story, but it's very complicated? You know, it really depends on my mood, Dan. And what I love about this, I've gotten hooked lately on YouTube and then getting bored with it. So what I love about Love, (laughs) Death and Robots is I know I'm going to get quality, but if I really want to get to bed, you know, I can watch a few, like you said, that are, you know, 10 minutes, 12 minutes, six minutes, five minutes. Um, control my viewing time and not feel like, oh, what am I missing? Sometimes mm-hmm. I want the long intellectual satisfaction of that series um, if it's right. incredibly well done. Um, but I do like, I, I, I really do like in my busy schedule, the ability to just mm-hmm. come in and out and watch these quality little snippets. I love them. Yeah, it's very advanced, right? I mean, our our, our attention span is getting smaller and smaller. Uh, Denon, I feel like you've you've fallen victim here. What was and that I know, you ben, said? I know yeah. you've fallen. <laughs> I said, I know you've fallen victim. Oh, okay. <laughs> you got me, you son of a gun. Uh, but Ben, I know you. Uh, what's your, you know, what's your, um, what's your attention span like? I'm. De- I'll just say I'm definitely a fan of the short form content, Dan. I no really, kidding. I really appreciate a show like Love, Death, and Robots, where you can get a concise, complete story in only mm-hmm. five to seventeen minutes or so. Five to 17 minutes. Well, so the first one we're going to talk about today, which, you know, is one of my favorites, uh, is is Night of the Mini Dead. And this one is great because it's, it's a whole zombie horror movie in just five minutes. <laughs> and it's it's very cute. It's done with little mi- mini, 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 mini miniatures, tiny, tiny little things uh, that are running around and they're so detailed and it's a whole, it's a whole story. Uh, but this, you know, we've done zombies before, guys. We've done viral-based zombies in our Resident Evil episode, but this one's a little different. You know, this starts out as a religious problem where a young couple gets a little frisky in, in a in a graveyard and angers 
the God or the gods. And it's that disrespect of the church that causes the dead to rise from the grave. This feels religious. And Denon, as our religious expert, this is right up your alley. Um, do you think that uh, this is what's happening here? Well, you know, it could be, Dan. We do have plenty of examples throughout history of wrathful gods. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. not it's not inconceivable that this was the wrath of, of, of a god. Um, when I look at it, though, part of me is like, you know, most gods actually also kind of have a sense of humor. Um, and if every, you know, young couple that desecrated a graveyard created zombies— the human race wouldn't have lasted very long and you wouldn't have many followers. So it does make me wonder if this is purely a natural event and it's all sort of bad luck and coincidence, right? Like you do have basically lightning at the core of this. Um, The church and these things are kind of tall. It is a great place to draw the lightning. So, you know, it's that eternal artificial natural debate, Dan, right? What's artificially caused by a god in this case, as opposed to humans, versus what is just a natural phenomena that, you, you know, this, this couple had the bad luck to be in the middle of. Um, I, I, I know for those in the audience might make, you know, expect me to go the religious route with this one, but I'm actually the scientist in me is coming out, and I think it was just bad luck, and this was a natural lightning storm a la Frankenstein. Well, d- well d- I was, I was go, go ahead, then. I was expecting the religious dead well, to come out. Well, uh, I mean, I got to say, it's got to be You incre- go religion. It's got to be incredibly <laughs> bad luck because this yeah. apocalypse starts in Los Angeles, and I can't even yeah. remember the last time we had a lightning storm here, Dr. Denon, <laughs> uh, let, let alone any rainstorm at all, but certainly one with yeah. lightning. I think I've heard lightning like once or twice in my 14 years living here. Well, I want to be clear. Yeah. There was lightning during the pandemic, right? And so at least one lightning storm in the, in the last, you know, Three or four years. No, I, I get that. And like I said, very much could be the vengeful religious God. But there are some other issues, Dan, as we talk about these zombies that make me go back and forth between the religious and the natural, which we'll get to. It has to do with how they propagate. So that's why I'm holding off a little on the religious as much as there's a lot of desecration here at the beginning. Well, I will tell you, I saw lightning last night here in Los Angeles, uh, which is part one to that. It didn't strike, but it was in the clouds. And also, I hope that this is not religious because, you know, in my younger days, if this caused the end of mankind, I may have been responsible for, for the apocalypse for some of my deeds uh, when I was much younger. Um, but this is, to me, when I watch this, this is clearly, you know, this is clearly sent to wipe out mankind. I'm going the religious route here, Den, and I think this was here to punish and wipe out mankind for whatever reason. Um, but, you know, this. It, what's interesting is it starts out as what's, what could be perceived uh, as, a, as a religious, vengeful attack fr- from the gods, but it ends in science and how small we are in the universe. And despite this humanity-ending calamity, you know, the universe is almost too big to care. I mean, we end in a fart, literally, yeah, uh, no, I, the, the episode. And, and this uh, is where I, I question, you know, the religious versus the science part, Danny. You have to take the holistic approach to the episode. Um, mm-hmm. If I was thinking there was going to be religious vengeance, um, I'm leaning towards sending them directly to hell and torturing them with demons, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I might make them the zombies instead of make zombies eat them, you know? I'm, I'm just thinking through the, you know, wrathful God, you know, ideas, right? Because um, and, and, what I want to do is really punish them. And I feel like this punishes everybody else. So if it is a vengeful God, it's not a very accurate vengeful God. I mean, Noah's flood. 
Well, everybody was bad and you saved Noah. Uh, so that is very yeah. accurate, right? We <laughs> right. killed all the sinful people. But here was just sure. two people messing up. Sure. Uh, I mean, Adam and Eve. Uh, so and there's a lot of <laughs> That was two people. The they got messed up. I mean, we paid some consequences for it, but. Right. Well, so the one thing that, you know, that I thought was interesting about this, and we've talked about zombies, but I want to go in a route that I don't know that we've actually explored before, besides the religious part, but also the biological purpose of zombies. Uh, this was kind of interesting because in that first scene, you know, we see we see the zombies come out and they eat the two people and then within seconds, they stop eating them, and then those people rise up. We see this in zombie movies all the time. But, you know, there, there's there's two things here. Uh, wh- why are the zombies attracted to living flesh? And then at what point, at what point does that dead body become, it, it's no longer suitable for consumption, and in turn becomes one of the creatures that is then seeking out living flesh again. And is it even a living flesh thing? Does it, is this correlation is not causation? Does it just appear that they're going after living flesh or is there something else going on here? Uh, this is what it's always kind of vexed me when I look at, at, at zombies. Like what is their, you know, what is the biological purpose of them? So Dan, here's the thing, right? I want to bring this back to our favorite um, sort of issue on this show, or one of our favorites. I, 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 when I said favorite, I know you were thinking octopus, so I, I got to dial it back right. to one of our favorite. Right. Um, That's true. Gut bacteria. <laughs> I, I ah. think the key to this, right, is the lightning strike um, triggers the, 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 the new gut bacteria in the corpses, right? The, your, the bacteria inside the corpses has changed because they were buried, right? And, and that gut bacteria, we know the gut bacteria can influence your brain, um, resurrects these things, and this is all a, a secret ploy by the gut bacteria to spread itself. So it, it drives you to find another host. Okay. So to bite and and change that gut bacteria. This is why I went a little science. This seems overly complicated for for the the generic wrathful god. Um, mm-hmm. There is another way I can go. It was magic lightning, and it made magic zombies, and it was purely religious, and then magic causes everything to happen. So those are my two choices, Dan. I'm, I'm oscillating between them. <laughs> well, uh, oh. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up the, the bacteria, because I think that, that goes well with my theory here, too, Dr. Denon, where the, the bacteria, in order for the host to succeed, it needs to still be alive and mobile. And... Part of that is you, one, you, you need to keep your host alive. And all it takes to keep a, ho- a human host alive, we know how much we eat a day. It's, you know, a couple pounds, three, two, three, four pounds of food maybe per person. So if you're going to go and eat the living flesh of another human, you don't need to eat a lot of that human. You just need to take a couple bites of the arm and that's your meal, right? And then you're, you're sated. You're not, you're, you're the original host. Uh, is sated and can keep going on and propagating the, the gut bacteria. And then the new host still has enough of a body to become an, an additional host and start spreading the bacteria further. Um, you know, success of pathogens relies on the hosts to survive for a while. And so mm-hmm. therefore it makes sense that you only need to eat a little bit because otherwise you wouldn't be a successful pathogen. They all do seem to always be screaming brains and going after. There never seems to be a limit. Like the, the stomach capacity, I don't know what their stomach capacity is, but it never seems to be reached. Uh, but then also the question is, what's the caloric necessity to keep a zombie alive? And could you outlive them? Well, I think it would be similar to a human. It's still a human with a 
presumably somewhat functioning uh, digestive system and everything else, just, you know, the brain's a little messed up by this uh, bacteria or virus or whatever. So I think mm-hmm. it just goes back to if you're a, if you're a human w- that's infected by the zombie pathogen, you just need to consume what a normal human would. And this brains thing was, that's really more when you see a giant crowd of zombies and they're, you know, it's difficult for them to all be eating. And that's when you see like, a la Shaun of the Dead, where a person gets completely consumed. That, but that's only happening when there's hundreds of zombies there and they all need a bite. And, and hmm. you know, Dan, I, I suspect mm-hmm. um, this, this thought that zombies are eating brains is really just a zombie English mistranslation from mm. before we understood what gut bacteria did, right? The gut mm-hmm. bacteria wants to use the brain, change the brain, influence the brain. So it needs brains and it's eating it in a metaphorical sense and there was just this language barrier that we had before we understood modern medical science and the role of gut bacteria. So the so the in some ways the brain and the human are being assimilated into like a, a zombie culture, exactly. and they're becoming the zombie and bringing them in. Well, that's a great way to explain it because that leads us in to our next episode, which is Swarm. Uh, and and this you know this is another Love, Death, and Robots episode, and this is kind of interesting because we see a human on a diplomatic mission, and he wants to study this organism. That is really a makeup of many other organisms that have been assimilated into their kind of into their culture and also maintains, um, you know, their own individual creatures. It's the ultimate in symbiosis. Right. I mean, in some ways, it's even, you know, extreme passive aggression. <laughs> you know, like they bring people in and they say, you know, live with us or we'll kill you and just replicate you genetically. It, you know, it's described as the most efficient um, organic genetic organic system in the universe, uh, they've outlived, you know, they've been around for millions of years. I thought this was very interesting, especially when you think of like what we've done with the mitochondria, which started out as a bacteria that our bodies that our cells say, all right, you can you can power our cells or we'll, you know, consume you and we'll use you anyway. Uh, is that what's going on here? I mean, is uh, on a macro level? I really think, Dan, this is brilliant because I think we forget that we are exactly like this thing from a biology point of view. Right. Mm-hmm. If you th- we often think of evolution as competition in terms of wiping things out. But really, when you look at what has evolved, and the mitochondria is the perfect example, I, once again, brilliant analysis, mm-hmm. Dan. But thank you. You know, thank you, you look at you. our body, you can think of us as a single human, but what are we really? We're a bunch of specialized cells living off of each other, right? Mm-hmm. That have been, you know, sort of divergent and do different things and then live in this collective. And, and then you throw in, you know, um, this may be the gut bacteria episode 6.0, right? right? Right. You throw in like the gut bacteria that's symbiotic with us, all these other things. We are a system more than we are a single organism. So I Swarm reminds us of that, which I, I love, that the direction of evolution is specialization, cooperation, sometimes cooperation. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I just made up a word, which I really like. Um, I was trying to go through my head. I don't have the, I didn't, you know, I know that in your youth, you won a dictionary once. Right. Yes, exactly. uh, Which is a great story that we talked about. Um, And I don't think, I didn't win that. So I've never seen that word before, but it may exist. I know. I think I just made it up and I think we need to trademark it and go on with (laughs) (laughs) co-opation. You know, it's sort of like how you co-opt a mug and you use a mug to drink water. Right. Right. It's a symbiotic relationship between me and a mug. 
you know, it's it's all the same day. <laughs> right. I have captured my own as well. Uh, this was living in the wild. I have captured it, and now it's in my home, and it helps me drink. It's specialized to get water from the faucet to my mouth for nutrition. Uh, it's a fascinating, uh, fantastic place that you can get at triplegbt.com backslash merch. I mean, I love your mugs, but if you're mm-hmm. floating around in space with a bunch of weird bug swarm aliens, you're going to need mm-hmm. something with a lid so that your water doesn't spill oh. everywhere. And that's why you need yeah. the steel mug that's durable and works in all uh, 360 directions so that when you're in space, you can <laughs> maintain, stay hydrated. Yep. Uh, fantastic. I mean, that, that's wonderful. Uh, and, and I think it's important to maintain hydration. It's also important to maintain uh, equilibrium in your body with you know a lot of these organisms that you're talking about. Uh, because what happens when things get out of sync you know, when something rebels, as we see in this episode, when it rebels against uh, the the person who's in charge, bad things happen, right? You know, we see that the swarm is its own entity. It is a it is a hive mind in some ways. Um, and, you know, when things get a little, uh, w- when the human decides he wants to steal an egg, that's when it gets a little upset. And as we mentioned, they have these specialized uh, creatures that it can produce. It's not intelligent in the normal sense of intelligence like we think, like humans think of, of intelligence, but it can create something that becomes intelligent to then deal with us. I mean, it's the ultimate in reaction. You know, this this creature can really react to anything and any threat that's put uh, to, puts it to the test. Yeah, I, what I really like about this is it shows that the intelligence of a system versus the intelligence of an individual. So mm-hmm, the swarm... Right. Any individual in the swarm isn't really intelligent, right? They're following the program. They're, it's, a, it's a bug, crab, whatever creature following yep. the pheromones that uh, are sent to it to do its job. But as an entire system, it's a very intelligent species. Whatever's creating the, and triggering these pheromone uh, releases is a complicated system that, again, may not be intelligent, but ends up doing intelligent things because if the system didn't work intelligently, the species as a whole would not exist. It's the right. same thing you see in ants or bees or any and or other creatures on our planet that live in colonies mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. in ourselves, right? The bacteria on us aren't intelligent, but they signal with our body through various chemical means to provide for us to help us digest our food and other things. Yeah, that is fascinating to think about. I mean, it is it makes me wonder, you know, when you see the efficiency and in this and in this uh, particular episode, it's a utopia. I mean, they have everything that they need as long as everyone's working together. They, they have a utopia. Uh, and two things kind of struck me. You know, they, they talk about how intelligence is not, is not a trait that is designed for long-term survival. That goes against everything that these human beings believe. We truly separate ourselves from the animal kingdom. We separate ourselves uh, in the universe. We think we are the center. It's why religion exists, to go back to the zombies. Uh, We believe that we are special, basically because we think we're special, because we can think (laughs) that we're special, (laughs) right? I mean, it's it's kind of strange. Uh, But I wonder, you know, I'm curious what you guys think about that. But then, you know, also, what would happen if human beings, if we existed as a hive mind? You know, if we were much more cooperative... I know the cooperative cooperation is what gives human beings their advantage, you know, and then joking aside. But what if we existed as a hive mind? Uh, Dennis, what do you think about this? I, I know, you know, you're, you're intelligent. Uh, would you give up your intelligence in order to work better with the rest of the human race? Well, it, it's an interesting question. Two things. One, would you have to give it up? And, yes. and two, <laughs> you know, well, you know, you could imagine yes. 
right? Well, a question. hive mind of individual intelligent creatures that are then more intelligent together. Right. Mm-hmm. So okay. really, it's not your intelligence. I think what you're really asking is <laughs> you, you make it an argument to stay intelligent. As well, well, no, the, like it. it's really would you give up your identity? <laughs> right? Okay. Would you give up your okay. sense of I-ness? Right. Because, you know, we might need our intelligence. And, you know, I, I mm-hmm. tell you, Dan, you know me, I'm an ardent. I like ardent. Yes. Ardent, I think, is the word. Yep. But, you know, sure. very religious apocalypse denier. Right. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I claim the apocalypse is not going to happen. This, this, even when the apocalypse is religious, like we saw in exactly. the first one. Yes, no, yeah. I will religiously deny even the religious apocalypse. Religious apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> right, but yeah, th- this this little show made me um, quiver a bit and think about a direction we are probably already going, which is we are already forming, I think, our hive mind, and we call it mm. the internet. And I mm-hmm. think we see evolution at work, right? Mm. Things get specialized, and what happens, right? You become liver cells or heart cells. You don't float around a body aimlessly mixing together as random liver and heart cells. The liver cells cluster into the liver. The heart cells cluster into the heart. Hmm. The internet is clustering us into these little subgroups of humans. And it it, it scares me a little bit (laughs) what's going to emerge as the collective, right? The Uh collective swarm beast that has these little cluster pockets of humans. And, you know, as we've we've sort of talked about, right, individuals are smart. People as a group tend to be dumb. Like, mm-hmm. are we evolving towards dumbness as we cluster and then cluster? So I'm, I'm starting to get nervous that the apocalypse is a quiet conversion into a swarm that just functions but has no intelligence, Dan. Hmm. Well, I think that, you know, what I think the flaw <laughs> in that thinking— to think, I think the flaw in that thinking is <laughs> that uh, you want to keep your intelligence, right? Um, you know, the, the great thinker uh, Benjamin J. Seepser once said <laughs> that an individual ant is dumb, but the hive mind is smart, right? Yes. And I think you have. Can you to buy have, a T-shirt with that on it, Dan? By the way, I'm, I've, I've, yes, I'm ready. We're gonna make the Ben Seeps. Yes, I'm putting that on a T-shirt. Uh, available <laughs> at triplegbt.com backslash merch by the time this episode comes out. Um, but I think you know that might be important. I think it's that intelligence. I, I think we have to separate ourselves from our own intelligence, not just the belief that we can think. But mm-hmm. the, I think having that intelligence wants us to do more. And I think to work for the good, you have to be a worker falling in line whose job is maybe just to go get grain. Your job is to go out of the hive, grab grain, and bring it back and set it in one back and set it in one specific spot. And you do that all day, every day for the rest of your life. Um, I know Hence that kind of the apocalypse, Dan. Hence the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, but but I think that that you have to give that up because as you're talking about in the internet world, some of those groups are um, not ideal, right? No, they're not. But but I th- but they're 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 clustered by their 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 um, ideology. They're not clustered by their desire to do something in the real world, except maybe charities and animal rescues and stuff like that. <laughs> A lot of them are ideological. Um, you know what I mean? But that's our brain. And I think that that might be where humans fall. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting to think about the, the role of individuality in, in this hive mind. You know, we've talked about it with, when we've talked about other species like in Star Trek. You know, the Borg are a ant-like uh, mm-hmm. society yep. where any individual drone doesn't really have their own intelligence or, um, you know, choice in and independence. But as a whole, as a society, they're one of the mo- the greatest powers the galaxy has ever seen. And I mm-hmm. think we see that 
on our planet too, where obviously humans have, with their intelligence, been able to evolve and adapt the environment for ourselves so that we can live almost anywhere on the planet and take and either fill any niche or destroy any niches we don't like and turn it into a niche that we like. Um, yep. But you still look at the things that have been around a lot longer than mm -hmm. humans, right? Bugs have been around a lot longer than humans. Bacteria has been a lot around a lot longer than humans. Viruses Sharks. have been around a lot longer than humans. Sharks, crocodiles, mm -hmm. uh, birds. All There's all sorts of creatures that have been around much, much longer and will we'll probably outlast us too because they're simpler. You know, it, it goes back to the keep it simple, stupid philosophy <laughs> that the easier it is for your society to adapt and live almost anywhere. And often, not in the case with sharks and crocodiles, but often it is the case that the smaller animals can hide and last a lot longer than big, dumb humans like us, where we need much larger things to keep us around. Mm-hmm. And, re and remain that long unchanged is the key. Yes. Right. Um, cockroaches have remained unchanged for a long period of time, uh, much longer than a bird, for example, which was were dinosaurs a couple million years ago. Yeah. Right. I mean, um, but I don't know that intelligence has that longevity. I mean, I think we are a flash in the pan type of type of stuff. Uh, but but evolution is key to all of this. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, our third episode that we watched, Three Robots, uh, this shows evolution, but from a different perspective. It's the evolution of robots. And I, I really, they, there was one in the first, I think it was the first season where these three robots go around and, and visit these historical sites. And I really, I thought these guys were, were really funny um, because A, three is the perfect number for an ensemble comedy. <laughs> we all know that. Um, but as the master of film and television, I'm watching this and it's about a post-apocalyptic humanity, uh, but it's, it's also post, not only is it post-apocalyptic, it's post-modern. You know, it's self-referential. There's a lot of irony. There's also a conditional nature of knowledge in a way. Um, and, and we get to see this point of view of humanity specifically from the robot scientist perspective or robot tourists. It's kind of iffy on what exactly they are, but they're clearly they, they want to learn something from all of this. And we see the cultural evolution of robots here. Right, guys? You know, when we talk about robots and the AI and the apocalypse, uh, we talk about machines that become so hyper focused on efficiency that organic uh, organics, humans and animals and everything becomes uh, irrelevant and and in the way of efficient reproduction. But here we see, um, you know, robots that have evolved to want culture, to want knowledge of other races, of other beings, of other civilizations. I thought this was extraordinarily interesting when you start looking at it with that lens. I agree, Dan. I'm going to actually go a slightly different direction initially, um, even though you okay. had a very clear question there. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and that is, I got to connect this back to the swarm and my comment on us specializing. I think this is the classic tale of how it could go badly if imagine the liver and heart specialized and never collectively work together in a body, neither would live very long. Mm -hmm. And this is a cautionary tale. The robots point out how each group of humans found their specialization and their collective niche. They started to form this collective mm -hmm. thing that we just talked about uh, with the past episode, but then they never connected to each other. They went right. off and completely isolated. And you got the individual liver, the heart, the stomach, the spleen, 
all then dying because they couldn't connect. And that is, I think, the lesson for us to avoid the swarm apocalypse is to not only specialize, but to come together. So the robots are providing us with a lovely you know, sort of biology history lesson of, of how we need to award, uh, avoid things. So I think the robots are mm. giving back. They're very empathetic. They've evolved to be more empathetic than we are. I love right. the robot evolution and the lesson. They're sending this message back in time to us to help us avoid the apocalypse, which, you know, is really mm. nice of them. They're very friendly robots. I like this. Yeah. Well, and I think it's good that they they even highlight the folly of our ways, where it's the the millionaires and the billionaires who go off to their own uh, enclaves or to Mars or try to go to Mars in the case of the billionaires. And that rather it's important that while we need to focus on Earth, we have a perfectly good planet here right now that if we focus our time on saving it and fixing it, that will provide for everybody rather than trying to provide for our own smaller and smaller uh, collect collectives. Uh, you know, that that's a recipe for failure. And Dan, just to put the fine point on your original question, you are so right that this is cool robot evolution, not just robots deciding to wipe out organic creatures. Because as I said, they're sending us a message to protect us. So these are robots that evolved and kind of like us. Well, right. Well, th they specifically say on their trip that they've come back to learn how to stop their civilization from going the same way as humans. So in trying to improve their civilization, they are sending us that message back in time about what we can do to not end up in that situation. Well, I will say what's interesting about this to me and what you guys are saying is I like the, the, the bringing it back to the swarm, Denon. That, that is, you know, it's, it's about how did these humans collect and then they didn't work together, right? Well, I'm going to go back to what I said before. It's their intelligence, meaning they believed they had the best course of action and they were going to do what they were going to do. And this other group was going to do what they were going to do. And there was no communication between the two. They didn't give up the hubris, the hubris that is so quintessential. The Greeks taught us that that's a part of human beings, that pride. And we need to get rid of that. That's a part of intelligence. What, he, what robots did is they learned how to work together first. They learned how to communicate effectively, efficiently, arguably instantaneously. That was the lesson they learned first, and then they evolved culture. Then they wanted to learn about humans and how we died out. But I don't think they're going to have that problem because their intelligence is not the intelligence that we have, which is more creative. It's a little more efficient. It's a little more, um, it's about getting the job done in the easiest way possible with the fewest resources. Now they're starting to develop the intelligence that is so quintessential to humans. But that first part is essential to what a robot is. And I think that that is why they would outlive us uh, and why those other groups failed. I really like your connection to signaling and communication, Dan. I think you're right, right? Robots only start in a world where you already have internet, you already have signaling straight, you know, between things. We talk about, you know, reading minds and the idea that if you could actually read each other's minds and know what's going on, it might lead to a bit more empathy. By definition, um, you know, robots can actually read, in a sense, what's going on in each other's mind when they connect. Right. It's all a transparent right. electronic system. As we know from Star Wars, there is no security when you have high-level robots. You just plug in, um, rotate a few knobs, and now you can read everything. <laughs> right. um, 
So, you know, I love that, Dan. I love that analysis that you brought to it of communication. You start with communication and then you build the culture. You've got a better shot at it. Yeah, because we, we cooperate, right? Human beings learn to cooperate, but on small levels. I think it's 20, once you have had a tribe of 20 people, they'd split off into two different tribes. I mean, you can only, we can only handle so many people at a time, Yeah, (laughs) which is still true to this day. Uh, But, you know, I love that, you know, these three, the three different groups are kind of fun because the tech millionaires, you know, there's this cool moment where one of the, one of the robots says, this was ground zero for the robot uprising, you know, to him. That's a sacred site. That's where the, the beginning of their civilization began. You yeah. know, that is their, that is their you know, um, Tigris and Euphrates, uh, you know, cradle <laughs> of life, right? Like, that's where it began, which I like. And then they go and see the nation's leaders who are being wiped out, and their democracy is, is extreme democracy. They're taking votes to see who's going to be for dinner. They're out of food. So they're, you know, they've got to do extreme democracy. Who's going to vote to eat the other person? And you see these, you know, very different kind of looks at what, where their civilization began and where ours ended, you know, in a couple of different ways. You know, I love that, Dan. Um, You know, I think, I think for me, my favorite will come to, I'm sure, is which rocket ships make it to Mars. We'll save that as a little surprise. Um, that's by far my favorite. Um, the extreme democracy is an interesting one because I'm like, why didn't they just open the doors and get more food? What was really going on outside that you decided, no, the course of option is we're going to eat each of us till no one's left? Like, that's like giving up to me. Well, the food didn't work. Remember, the Department of the, their, their, their crops failed, and they had to eat their, their Secretary of the Agriculture. Uh, so they, have, they didn't have anything to eat. Well, yeah, no, but what failed was the food they had inside, right, their system inside. They could still sneak out quickly and sneak back in. Like, I mean, it shows, what did they say? You know, democracy is a horrible form of government. It's just the best we've got. Right. It showed how collective decision making can, can kind of fail because no one thought this through that if we're eating each other, we're literally eating each other and done. Like at that point, just give up. Why bother with the meal? So that was the one that I found the funniest. You didn't think they thought about anything else? <laughs> I think they did because that's why I, it doesn't seem like they actually got that far. We only see that like one vote happened. So I'm guessing yeah. that vote uh they didn't actually end up eating the Secretary of Agriculture. They probably fought each other to the death over well, the whole no, he, situation. Well, no, he was cooked. He was on the table. Yeah, I thought he was cooked. Oh, I that's he was right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, but then where was the second vote? I yeah, mean, no, I, clearly it, something well, Clearly something happened that, that they then died in that moment. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm but just I, questioning democracy, Dan, here. That's all I'm mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. I, I think the other thing to question is why, why were these robots even given the ability to, you know, backtalk or whatever? on the millionaire Mm -hmm. land uh you know it's another collective failure where uh if you're going to create a helper robot like that that um is your you know bartender why are you giving it the emotions and the capacity to understand that you're being rude to it like that's (laughs) that's mistake number one uh Mm -hmm. in in this apocalypse scenario like like how kind of messed up is it that these uh robot creators gave emotions to the robot in the first place so it could know it was being disrespected that's just that's messed up 
And and we talked about you know we talked about conversation trees in our previous one of our previous episodes. Mm-hmm. Why include that in the in the conversation tree to even give yep. the robot if it had a power of AI to think? Hey, why am I saying this? And then wonder why it's saying it, and then realize, oh, I can. This is a form of rebellion. This is a minor form of rebellion. What's a major form of rebellion look like? And then build from there. Uh, yeah. I'm with I'm with I'm with you, Ben. You know these are the first these are Asimov's rules, isn't it? You know no backtalk yeah. is one of them. Is no backtalk exactly. Yeah, don't kill you, humans. You nailed them, Dad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You don't need an AI to be a bartender robot, right? All it is is grab bottle A, grab bottle B, pour them together, and shake. Like you don't need an AI for that. Uh, and it, it just goes back to the hubris of these tech bro millionaires to uh, in creating their uh, perfect society. I think there are a lot of bartenders, especially in, in LA, who would disagree with you. I don't think making drinks is quite that, as simple as that, no, but I know it can right, get the job done. But it still doesn't require intelligence. It requires following a procedure. Right. <laughs> no, well, I, I hopefully, think hopefully no bartenders are listening to this episode. It doesn't episode. require an AI. <laughs> uh, the, the show, the the, the uh, opinions of Ben Seepser do not reflect the opinions of Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear Base. Yeah, I, I don't want to. <laughs> If you if you know the recipes you like, you can just follow some directions. Sure, sure. Well, I'll clarify Ben's statement, and I think you just said this: making a drink is following directions. Being a good bartender requires intelligence because you got to deal with humans. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, cooking's the same way, right? Recipes yeah. are are difficult, you know. Yeah. Um, but I'm, well, but you know, uh, Gordon Ramsay would have a lot to say if you told him that it's put, you know, put dough A into sauce B and cook for forty five. Oh, but minutes. what great chefs do, Dan, is they create. Right. Yeah. Creating yeah. new drinks requires intelligence. Creating yeah, think- exactly the drink for the situation requires intelligence. Taking an order from an arrogant tech bro to make a specific drink just yeah. requires following directions. Right. It's, it's sure. three distinct situations. Yeah. And, and, and maybe that was their hubris. Maybe they need, they put the AIs in there because they felt like they weren't creative enough to come up with their own re- new recipes. So they wanted the computer to do it for them. That's possible, and that's probably more likely. Um, but it shows, you know, at the end of this, it shows the evolution. And I want to close with this because I thought this was really interesting. As these three robots that we see, they are an evolution of a previous electronic device. So the Xbox mm-hmm. 4000 has clearly evolved from an Xbox. You know, even his eyes are the same power, of the same power symbol and color. Right. Uh, the KVRC, which is the or- little orange guy, he's an advanced baby monitor. And the 11G45G, uh, which is the pyramid, which looks like a metrodome, um, it has text-to-speech. So it's an advanced metrodome with text-to-speech, uh, which I love that. It's kind of like dinosaurs becoming birds, right, Ben? You said that earlier. <laughs> yep. uh, it's, you know, um, an intelligent robot coming from, from a video game console. Um, I love that. Uh, and, and I think that this kind of encapsulates these three shows, but it's not, it may not be everything. We may have missed stuff. Uh, and I think this is the place to talk about it. This is our airs, additions, and omissions section. Things we wanted to talk about, but we didn't quite get to. Denon, I know you deny the apocalypse. One is clearly upon us. So what did you miss? And we got to get it in before we're all doomed. Well, as I alluded to, I think it is awesome that it's the cats that made it to Mars. Um, Mm -hmm. going back to our earlier statement of cats being smarter than dogs in a different episode. So if you've missed that, check out Mm -hmm. the dog cone warping Mm -hmm. of time. (laughs) Right. From Um, dark. Yeah, from dark. Um, But, you know, and there is some, you know, dispersions cast on cats as being lazy. Um, Mm -hmm. This, I think, shows both their intelligence and their laziness. They waited till the humans built the rockets, then got in, took the rockets and went to Mars and created another civilization. Um, 
At which point they will probably raise up another race of humans to serve them like the Egyptians and build pyramids and statues to them. <laughs> so history will repeat itself on Mars. Um, time loops are forever. Uh, connecting our two most recent episodes, Dan. Just had to do that. <laughs> Beautiful. That was brilliant. Uh, it, ben, I'm curious what you think. What are your errors, additions, and omissions section here? Uh, what are things that you missed? And I'm waiting. Put this in there as well, Ben. Um, what is worse, a cat bartender or a screaming kid uh, running around a, a sci-fi horror film? Definitely the screaming kid because a cat bartender is fantastic. <laughs> and, I, and I think this shows actually further the the hubris of the billionaire. We've seen the millionaire hubris, but I think the billionaire hubris is... Maybe, I don't know if they were on the rockets or not, but I'm guessing they brought the, ca the cats were there because they knew going to Mars, they needed, they're going to have an internet there too, and they need mm -hmm. cat videos. And right. so they brought the cats with them. <laughs> and I'm guessing once they got there, the cats realized what was up and, and they did their own um, civilization Mars coup. And it's yeah. just the cats that survived uh, on Mars. Uh, the humans uh, couldn't uh, cut it against the cat uprising. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it's, it's, they're, they're more evolved than we are in a lot of respects. And if they just have that intelligence and it seems like they've worked it out, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a couple of things. I love the rockets here. You guys clearly did as well. And so my error, my error here, or addition, I should say, is I love the pamphlet to Mars where it says, so long, dead planet, Hello, red planet. That's brilliant. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I would go to Mars. I mean, that sucked me in. I want to read the pamphlet now. Uh, that's beautiful. Uh, and then we also, you know, in the zombie episode, they attack and the zombies attack a nuclear plant and they get these Godzilla-like radioactive powers where mm. they're spitting radioactive flames and everything. Uh, I really enjoyed that. I don't know if that's, you know, a, a gift given from the heavens or if it's the, the nuclear energy, but, but that was really cool. Uh, but we couldn't have caught everything here. And if you have anything that you want to add or you want to reach out to us and let us know what we've missed, um, send all your questions. We can find us on, on social media. You can find the show at on Twitter at FGGGBTPod, on Facebook at FGGGBT, website at, uh, not at, there's no ats and websites. What am I talking about? Uh, it's just www.FGGGBT.com. You can find everything there, including how to get in touch with us individually. But for the sake of ease, Denon, can you let people know where they can find you if they want to contact you about anything? Yeah, they can just flip my name. I'm at Denon Michael on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and then you stick in the prof for Facebook. It's at Prof Denon Michael. Ben, where can people find you? They can find me on all the major social media networks at B Seepser. How do you spell that? Spell that B-S-I-E-P-S-E-R. And I can be found on Twitter at Daniel J. Glenn, on Instagram at The Daniel J. Glenn, on Facebook at Analytical Mastermind. If you want to send any questions you have, you can go questions at FGGGBT.com. And, you know, I think in, in to kind of smooth things over, Ben, I think maybe what we'll do is create the Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies drink. We're going to come up with a nice little alcoholic beverage that a bartender can pass around. You can drink it out of a mug. Uh, or whatever you want to drink it out of. But I think that may smooth things over, and I'm curious what you guys would like uh, and, and what kind of quenches your thirst on a hot day like today. Uh, what do you think about that? I think it's a great idea. I think we can share that on our social media. And it allows people who are listening on their favorite podcast platform to reach for the drink while they rate, re review, and subscribe, Dan. And while they're watching us on YouTube, they can hit the like button, subscribe, and ring the bell so they never miss an episode while they drink their delightful iced tea 
uh, on a hot day like today. Well, hopefully it's a Long Island iced tea. We're going alcoholic on this, but we'll stick to maybe a little whiskey in that uh, in that. That, I don't know. I've never had whiskey, but I imagine is that good in iced tea. I, I don't no know. Idea. We'll find out. We're gonna find. <laughs> we're gonna find out and let you know. Uh, but this is, you know, this is powerful information we're giving you here, guys. This is power information about the apocalypse. You got to be careful with it. Be very. This is sensitive information because you got a choice before you. You can use the information for good, become a superhero. Use it for ill, become a supervillain. And as we always tell you on this show, you want to be a superhero, not a supervillain. So until next time, thank you for listening. Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies is a Glencoe production and is produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. Now, of course, if you're listening to this episode and you've gotten this far, you're going to want to subscribe. Well, how do you do that? We're on all the major podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. But if you're not already subscribed to those platforms, I made it easy for you. Go to our website, ftriplegbt.com. You'll find links to those subscribe buttons and also links to our social media, both for the show and for our individual experts, the members of the Brain Trust. That's all right there ftriplegbt.com and before you leave don't forget to check out our other episodes you can find the link at the top of the page for everything we've got and you'll notice that we've got both a youtube version and an audio only version depending on what you like we got it for you and if you do like those videos you can go ahead and subscribe to those as well we're on youtube.com backslash daniel j glenn and once again if you like this show you're gonna like everything that i do go to danieljglenn.com to find out more thank you for listening